episode of Bride of Your Life. I had to look for confirmation there just to double check. We are here with someone I've wanted to get on for quite a while. Um, we are here with Sam from, I don't even know how to describe it now because you're, I'm you're moving, moving around. around. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that car video girl or that bike video girl um, on Instagram. So that gives you a little bit of an insight. But yeah, welcome to the Ride of Your Life. Thank you. And it's great to have you finally. And I was so excited to have you. I think we talked just before it launched as well, hadn't we? Yeah. To get you on. So it's been a little bit of a a journey. But yeah, I think uh, we can start by letting people know what it is you do and your story, I guess. Yeah, cool. Um, So as you say, I moved around quite a bit. A lot of people, well, if you know me, I was at Carwell. Um... And the big news is that I have left Carwell. I haven't actually announced it yet, but um, will be soon. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm moving over to BOTB, the uh, dream car competitions company. They do um, other competitions as well, lifestyle, you know, cash giveaways, and they do bikes as well. Um, so yeah, they headhunted me and it was a really, really tough decision to move over because I've been working with Matt Watson now for, well, coming up to 10 years because we wow. worked at Carwell for almost five years together. And then we were at a company called Dennis Publishing before that. Mm-hmm. And that was Car Buyer and Auto Express. So I've been filming car reviews with Matt for a very, very a long, long time. time yeah. Very, very long time. Um. So yeah, it was really, really difficult, but yeah, time for something new, meet some new people. It's a new chapter of your life, I guess. Exactly, yeah. So what got you into the car world? I know you are in bikes now, but you started off in cars. So how did that all come about? Well, you say bikes now, but uh, my dad uh, is a biker and um, he was a mechanic when I was really young as well. So we were always changing cars. Um, He had... loads of different jobs actually he kind of he worked on boats and planes and like all kinds of different mechanical kind of jobs but yeah my favorite was kind of he would come home with a different car sort of every couple of weeks and buy and sell them and I think one story that's always really painful for me now is that he bought a 1969 Ford Mustang for about 500 pounds and then did some work on it and sold it for 800 quid and oh. then that was like a great profit for him and uh yeah now you're just like oh my god dad that yeah but it's that like how's it worth so it much money well. <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy but um you never really know which cars are going to appreciate yeah. and stuff but i really like the um the old uh sierra cosworth as well um escort xr3i's um for Capri we had so many different cars growing up and I guess like my first kind of into sort of biking and cars was uh, I had an off-road bike I had a Kawasaki KX80. Oh so you've been riding a while as well. Yeah well I kind of dabbled in it when I was young um because I was a bit of a farm girl so sort of grew up around horses and so I can kind of picture that with you as well I wouldn't have thought it initially but I can picture that with you what the horse yeah the, the horse whole far- farm life and yeah the... well I just kind of moved out as well moved out into the countryside to um Lincolnshire where I've got a couple of retired horses there that um you know it's just so nice to be around them and just brings a smile to my face every day you know not having the hustle and bustle of I could have both you know it's like I can come into London for work and then go out into the countryside and kind of have my little retreat um when I was 16 I had a moped so I had a moped for a year had a Jalera DNA 50 which kind (laughs) of looked like it looked like a normal bike it wasn't one of the ever heard of that before (laughs) it's not like it's not like one of the sit sit on style ones you actually kind of straddle it like you would a normal bike bike, yeah Yeah. um so yeah that was my sort of like first into like biking and stuff and honestly the stuff I did on that ped it was just like so scary like I shouldn't have been on some of the roads that I've been that I was on um a bit of a daredevil then well 
being a ped, it couldn't go super quick. You know, they're yeah. just sort of like bees. They can they can get up. I think mine could do like forty five. Yeah, which is quite quick for a ped, but um. <laughs> Or maybe even fifty if you were going down a hill, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd I'd been to um, badminton, and um, it was about twenty minutes away from my house, and I had to sh- go on an A road for a very short space of time. But it was raining, and it was dark, and I was travelling along. End well, is it? <laughs> I was travelling, and it was windy, and I was like. Ee- like that and I could see there was this lorry coming up behind me and I was like oh crap he needs he needs to go around me I kind of like wiggled over a little bit and it's sort of like I was like next to the curb and it was like blowing me and as this lorry's like coming around then the car comes the other way and I was just like oh god take and just like can't see (laughs) just like no fear as well I was just kind of you know like that far away like blowing next to the curb but oh my god I could just literally just go underneath this lorry right now and it's just not good but <laughs> all of that aside so I had a I had a ped for a year and then when I was 17 and could get a car then my mum was like get away from the bikes yeah. you know to buy this car like I always had to work for everything that I had you know you know and my parents never just gave me everything they always said like right if you want something you go out and get it so uh, and it was also a good excuse for my mum to be like, right, you need to sell your bike so you can afford to buy a car. Um, they did help me a little bit getting my first car. Actually, my first car, I only paid like £20 for. Um, Why? My, <laughs> so my dad my dad was doing a job, um, a building job. He's had many jobs. Um, and uh, there, was, there was this, he did a, a really nice job on um, this guy's house and he was really happy with it. And his wife, unfortunately, just had, passed away at the time and he had her her car a little Ford Fiesta 1993 I think it was on an Elridge um and uh yeah it I mean it was a, a great little car just been in the garage for a while and he wasn't using it and he said well you know I really like the job you've done on my house do you want to just have this car where and, did uh, the 20 quid come from though where did he say like oh it's 20 quid this is really like, so, odd so my dad like um came back like with the car and um <laughs> my dad's like there's so many stories about my dad but yeah <laughs> whole just... other podcast just for you and your dad yeah 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 um so many stories one involving like a really deadly tarantula that he came home with once but anyway that's wow. another story <laughs> don't know how he got to that but um so uh yeah came back with a car and uh you know he was like you know, I have been given this car, but I think you should just like give him, you know, some beers or something like that. And I think I had to buy a battery for it. Um, and at the time I was just like working at McDonald's and um, I was working at a hotel at the same time. Oh no, I wasn't working there at the same time. I was just working at McDonald's. So yeah, I didn't have like loads of money, but you know, I could afford the 20 pound for the beers and the 50 pounds for a car battery um to have this car so yeah technically i i bought the car for 20 pounds it's not bad luck though is it yeah (laughs) (laughs) so uh so yeah i had that had that car um didn't have it for very long and then um got my uh i had a 1997 um audi a4 um and being 17 i was just on the back end of being 17 driving around in that car and going to like car meets down the retail park in that when everyone else is in a battered old Peugeot you know was it the 106s and stuff and the Saxos and everything that everyone used to drive I pull up in that and everyone's like what the hell granddad's car you know like (laughs) and I was like but but I need it I'm gonna go to uni and like you know I need to put my stuff in the car it was a it was an amazing car I did love it and it was in green as well which is my favorite color um great gearbox uh love the audi so So much it sounds like the the early years of your life you were already like preparing for a career in in cars and automotive i think without knowing it yeah so um i have like a couple of really strong idols in my life and that's my my dad and my uncle as well so my uncle whenever i was young and like he was 
I'd call him up and he would be traveling the world somewhere, you know, I'd call him and he'd answer the phone. You'd hear like some sort of elephant or something in the background. He'd be like, <laughs> oh, hey, hun. Yeah, I'm just in Thailand at the moment filming these elephants, you know, being released back into the wild after being rescued and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Or you call him again and he's like, oh, yeah, just down the football stadium. <laughs> you know, like people <laughs> shouting in the background. Yeah, yeah, just filming, just filming some, you know, football what or sports he do? or something. He was a freelance cameraman. Oh, okay. There so, we go. It's all coming together now. Cars yeah, yeah. from your dad and the camera side from your your uncle. Yeah, now it's coming together. Yeah, so it was exactly right. Yeah, so I had the inspiration for filming from my uncle and then the inspiration for sort of the mechanical side of things from my dad. So, uh, yeah, but I was always like, you know, at school, um, I, I wasn't, I didn't really enjoy school. There wasn't really, you know... Uh, anything specific for that kind of art of yeah. camera operating, and especially uh, in school, did you study it in uni? Then did you go off to uni to? So study I went it to co- college um, okay. to go and stu- study it. But there was, I'm so grateful for having my parents in my life. Um, you know, very supportive and encouraging parents um, that sort of guided me into the career because I knew what I wanted to do, but there wasn't a lot of support from, you know, like teachers and yeah. stuff like that to then, you know, and there's just not the... There, it's strange because in schools they have it like it's creative and they have the like the classes for it, but they're so structured. It's so strange because mm. it's almost like, oh, here's a creative arts subject, but then you have to follow this spec and it's not creative at all. Yeah. And we're going to grade your work. And it just doesn't seem right. Yeah. Because I studied digital mixed media. So like Photoshop and uh, all of the Adobe suite. But I didn't go off to uni to study anymore because I felt that there wasn't any point due to the whole fact that it was just the grading system and they wanted me to create something that would fit in their box of Mm. what, creativity was so did you go off to uni or was it just college that you did or yeah so I eventually went off to university as well um as I say like without the support of my parents like I wouldn't have got there because I remember on my uh on my careers day at secondary school the head teacher there was the head teacher me and my mum and they sit you down and they say oh okay what do you want to be when you grow up you know what what Mm -hmm. are you going to move on to next and I sat there and, you know, with Glee was like, I want to be a camera operator. And he's just like, well, you're never going to do that. Really? Yeah. Did they actually say that to you? I, yeah. And my mum sat there and she went, don't you dare say that. Don't don't yeah. say that to my daughter. Like, you know, um, it's just sort the of like. audacity. <laughs> I know. It's just like, um, you know, you kind of should be encouraging the yeah. children to follow their passions and, you know, to do, to yeah to to, what's the next step you know go to college because I did end up going to a college that was only 15 minutes away you know from where I lived doing a specific course in tv and media production so it's like well why didn't you make that suggestion rather than say well you'll never you'll never do that I don't know whether sometimes it's on purpose like whether you know some people might say that to give you even more fire but I don't know I would say I would say I'd much prefer people be supportive. Yeah, because I, I had a similar experience. Uh, my mum, thankfully, my mum was in the arts. She was not a teacher. Mm. But she had had a life in graphics, digital mixed media. She did product design um, with Cadbury's Milk Tray. And she'd done quite a lot in that sphere anyway. Um, but I studied digital media and business. But then I was always doing things my own way so my attendance in college was very bad and school to be fair because I'd always go out and just do different things mm. and um I would get oh you know you're not gonna be successful like that oh yeah what you, what's realistic for you to do and it'd be kind of like well it's realistic for me to be going and pursuing the things I want to pursue and I did I set up two two really good businesses um and then just decided to follow a different path as I got older but it wasn't really helpful with my teachers until eventually I went back and they were like, oh, our success story. And I was like, uh-huh, now you say I am. Yeah. But no, it's um, you've, you've paved quite a way for yourself in, like now you're in Carwow and, well, now you've just finished your time at Carwow, but 
how did you did you grow with that channel or what was it did you start at the very beginning or how was that journey what do you mean so when you <coughs> joined Carwell, did mm. you was it when it was very at the very beginning how did okay. you join into that and grow with it yeah sure so um yeah as i mentioned you know we've we've sort of covered school going to college and um and then went on to uni um so i went to falmouth university and i did digital media there um when i first applied it was broadcasting Mm -hmm. so i had the passion that i was going to go into television because that's where my uncle was and so i applied for the broadcasting course there and um I think it was sort of halfway through the application process of that course, they changed it to digital media, which I'm really glad that they did because then the past just kind of, you know, the media industry really changed at that point, I think, from, you know, Netflix and YouTube and, you know, Amazon Prime, all those kind of online platforms were now, you know, starting to take shape over television and television is kind of slowly dying I think in a way um as lots of people are getting their content online um so yeah after university studying there for three years digital media then um it was really hard to get my first job in media and um I think I was applying I keep (laughs) on the microphone (laughs) I keep hearing it it's ASMR it's fine (laughs) sorry guys (laughs) I'll uh, I'll try and go side on. Um, uh, where was I? Um, first job in media. Yeah, I think I probably sent out, oh God, how many applications a day for like three months um, trying to get my in mm-hmm. um, to the industry. And it's not, you know, anything on being female or male. I think it's just like literally it is so hard yeah. to, to get into the media industry um and i finally um got uh an interview over skype and i had that and i was going to be a camera uh, camera assistant um and on my way to um the sort of the intro and sort of see them and what kit we were using and go through the script and stuff like that um i had a puncture in my in my wheel on my car in my tire and um, I was like, oh, my God, really? My first break. Like, this is my break. Yeah, you know? Murphy's Law. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. <laughs> but this is why I absolutely love this story. And some people, you know, listening may have heard me tell this story before. And it makes you, you know, I'm one of these people that really f- likes to focus on the positives from everything. Mm-hmm. And even if something seems like a negative or a, a bad thing at the time, then you know, you can always turn it around. There's always something good that comes out of it because if I hadn't have had that puncture in my tire, then I wouldn't have then gone on to my next job, um, which was, uh, I worked on a a film set for um, six weeks, I think it was. It was a low budget feature film. So you didn't get to that other job because of the- I didn't get there. Oh, because of the puncture. Never got there. But if it hadn't have happened, then I wouldn't have got the next one and that wouldn't have led on to then- you know, my path of, uh, you know, the experiences that now, I've yeah. had. Um, so, yeah, no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I, I like to live life that way. At the time, like, I thought, oh, my God, really? It is, is a really good lesson because I find that a lot even in the, in the, in the world when we're working, when we started to go out looking for clients and really wanting a job, sometimes they wouldn't come into fruition. And at the time, it was continuous knockbacks for a good four or five months. Mm. And I was just exhausted. But then it led to different projects, which I was like, actually, this is amazing. And also that put a drive in me to want to do so much more Mm. because it hadn't been plain sailing. So, yeah, I do think that's a massive lesson with everything that seems negative or hard you learn things. It doesn't always, it's not always the clearest when you're in and amongst it, but when you've got a good few months away from it, 
I think with anything in life, relationships, friendships, everything, mm. um, I look back and think, because I remember looking back at some relationships thinking, this is the person I'm supposed to be with. It didn't work out. And I'm now thinking, thank God. <laughs> because you find something so much better that fits you as you grow. Yeah. I think success isn't easy. It's never linear. Yeah. And um, I think sometimes when, you know, people see other people in a, in a certain position and they're just like, oh, you're so lucky where you are. And it's like, They mate. don't realise how much failure comes with that. And yeah. I often think success is just multiple failures. Um, because, like I said, I've had quite quite a few businesses. Um, I had one in shoe design. Um, I had a shoe company. Mm. Then I had um, a, a media company. And I managed dancers and singers and artists did that really well for a little while um but then i i gave that up i was just like that this doesn't fit me mm. but there's just so much failure amongst it and no 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 to so many different doors and you just keep knocking at them to hopefully one would open but then you learn to just let things go over your head as well yeah so yeah i think i think it's recognizing as well when something's not right for you then it's time to make a change yeah if you can't see yourself progressing um and you know one of the reasons why you know it was a really hard decision but now it's time to move on because you know I felt like I was doing the same thing and you know I want some a new challenge something different to challenge me to further success mm -hmm. hopefully um but yeah I mean I wouldn't have been able to achieve that I think with without Matt uh, Matt Watson so sort of going back to the story of um, you know uni and then I worked on the, the the low budget feature and then I got my job with Dennis Publishing where Matt was the presenter and I was 21 so I was super super fresh um, and moved to London from the countryside I was I'm from such a small town you know and a farmer uh you know at one time um so yeah it was a big big change for me um getting the tube and you know being around a lot of people I have the worst story when it comes to tubes when I moved to London I'd never taken I think I'd only taken a bus once and I thought Monopoly was the tube system so you know how they have like Fleet Street and Strand and yeah. I thought there was a red line and a purple line. Oh my God, I well, was so... kind of... Yeah, but they're not the Monopoly ones. No. So I was so confused. I was like, I need to go to Mayfair on the purple line. There was no purple line for Mayfair. It was yeah. like, I was so confused. Wow, that was just an awful... But yeah, coming well, to London... Mayfair actually is on the blue, on the dark blue one, which is actually the colour <laughs> of it on... Mo Monopoly, I think, correct. I would have thought no, wait, no. District line for me would have been where Mayfair would have been because no, of the Mayfair, colour. I'm I'm getting it wrong now. Yeah. I'm thinking of Monopoly <laughs> colours because that because dark blue is Piccadilly line and there's no way Mayfair's on the Piccadilly I line. I was confused, I was looking at it like where's where's Angel, Old Street and all of them? Like I was Northern. looking at the colour and I was yeah, just yeah. so confused. And I was like, there's way more stations here than there is in a Monopoly. <laughs> I was just so confused. I got so lost in London. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, I was working, um, I don't know if you know, like, well, Oxford Street, like the BT Tower. Yeah. So I was, I was working around there. That's where our old offices were. And uh, so, yeah, really busy part, central London, you know, and I was driving cars in and out of London as well for Did you work. not find that exhausting, though? Because I find going into London, the energy of London... It's electric, but it's also exhausting. Yeah, I think I think um, my exhaustion didn't come until later on. Yeah, <laughs> you go. I go was through. when I was young, and um, you know, it was all very new. And yeah, I I was all right, and I wasn't. I didn't have as much responsibility as I have now. You know, in my in my yeah. roles that I have now, so my hours were a lot less you know but I was paid a lot less then as yeah. well um but yeah I mean actually getting into work in London is really difficult especially if you don't already live there yeah. because a lot of employers are looking for 
um, a London address and so they want you to be able to to commute basically and to work easily um, but they also want to pay you all yeah. money <laughs> um, so yeah it's it's really really hard and you know I would stay with other people to be able to you know afford to not be paid that much <laughs> and, yeah yeah um and some jobs as well a lot of people in the media industry and a lot of people that I know as well would do freelance work and you know you wouldn't get any money yeah um you know you just get your fuel expenses paid you know maybe you get fed yeah. um sort of thing and it's just for the experience because it's such an oversaturated you know uh and then there industry. is those people that do a lot for nothing and sometimes people just be like oh yeah well we'll go for them instead of paying paying these people to do it it's, it's a tough one yeah it's it's really really difficult but you know and and yeah you will get setbacks but always look forward and keep going never give up like I think that's that's the only advice I would I would give is just sort of like whatever anyone says or you know like even if it hurts and you know it's hard to get back up again or you don't get your break that day or you know just keep going and you know eventually you will get there but yeah so met Matt at Dennis Publishing um Sorry, I tell stories in such a roundabout way. <laughs> You've got a very linear line of like you, you manage to get back there. I always I jump around. Um, you You're know. better than me. I would never. I'd, I I go off on tangents and I completely forget what the story you get was. Lost. <laughs> I'm like, so uh, this is my life story. But then I went to to this country and there was an elephant and then I'll start talking about elephants. I'll be yeah. so confused. But no, you're doing a really good job. <laughs> um. So yeah. So met. So we met Matt. Um, we went met Matt. I mean, I'm only one person. I don't know what I said. <laughs> we. Um, so I met Matt. You and the voices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do say us creatives are a little bit weird. So we met Matt. You and you and you My and other your entourage in your mind. <laughs> well, if you believe in star signs, I am a Gemini. So you know. So definitely, there's two we of met me. Matt. <laughs> yeah, we met Matt. Um, so I think it was 2000. And 12 when I started at there and oh, Matt <laughs> he's such a nightmare he won't mind me saying um like we've we've had some ups and downs for sure an absolute roller coaster of of a journey like some ridiculous times I mean he's a, such a crazy character um some of the places we've been and and things that we've got up to it's hilarious um looking back and uh, she's like, right, Sam, get get over there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the shot. And I'd be like, but I'm 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 all cricked up. Like, and he's like, yeah, no, 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 it looks great. It looks great. And then he would sort of like, you know, take ages to do the take as well. Like, like keep <laughs> keep coming in and be like, no, 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 it's not right. And then uh, yeah, but yeah, we've got we've got some stories. But um, I'm really fortunate that you know when he moved over to Carwell and then. I came over sort of shortly after um, that I uh, when I first started at Carwow, I was just in the same role. I was a camera operator and video editor like I was at Dennis. And um, then the, the producer sort of decided he was going to move to America. Very nice. And um, I thought, oh, this is an opportunity yeah. uh, for some more money. Um maybe not exactly the job that I wanted to do because I wanted to be a camera operator, but I thought, mm, yeah, some more money would be nice. Living in London isn't cheap. Yeah, um, so I was like, right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for that job. And, um, and I remember sort of having a, a chat with, with Matt cause we knew each other quite well after working together for a little while. And, um, yeah, he was like, so who do you think we should um, we should hire? And it was a conversation about us hiring somebody in, and um, I just said, "What about me?" And then <laughs> and then he was like, a bit shocked, like, "Oh, I wasn't expecting you I to wasn't put yourself expecting forward, that." Yeah. And um, so uh, so yeah, it just kind of was off the back of that of me saying, "Well, I'll give it a go," you know. And what have you got to lose, like? If it doesn't work out, then I'll just carry on. Yeah, you can, you can always 
Um, so yeah, I ended up moving from camera operator editor into a uh, producer role. Mm-hmm. And um, I I did that for a couple of years and was headhunted head um, before by another company. And um, it was very similar to what we were doing um, at the time. So I thought, well, it's not the right time for me. Yeah. Um, you know, the offer was really nice. Um, really, really appreciated it. And, um, but yeah, so I, I ended up staying, carrying on with Carwell and moved into directing as well. Um, you know, and I think that's that's nice when you, you're approached by another company and then, you know, if your cur- current company adapts and then you can grow even further. Um, it kind of gives you this sense of like value in yourself. And I think confident, it's very confidence inspiring when you're approached, you know, by, by somebody to go and work somewhere. And I, you know, I wasn't looking again now with my current move to BOTB, I wasn't looking um, to move. I was very happy. Um, that sort of exhaustion that we touched yeah. upon earlier, that's I was getting, you know, quite, uh, I was pretty exhausted with the hours I was putting at Carwell to achieve the success that we did. I mean, number one YouTube channel in the world for car content was not easy and especially was during... Was it highly pressured then? Or what would you say was like the the environment like for you? Um, I think I brought a lot of pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matt was my manager and, uh, I mean, we, once we figured out kind of a, a system with each other and a working relationship, then we were just on fire, you know, like he, he had the ideas and then I put them into action. I think that's the nice thing about working with someone that you've built confidence with over a number of years. You can start to be creative in a judgment-free zone and you can kind of just expand your skill set instead of feeling that you need to prove something or feeling negatively if it goes wrong. You can just learn to grow, I guess, in a healthy environment. So that probably really helped. Yeah. But um, So what encouraged your move to BOTV? So it was really hard, really hard. And like, I still haven't had my cry yet. And I, I feel really emotional about it, you know, like. Um, I think because you're still in the transition. I still am in the yeah. transition, yeah. So I literally, I left Carwell, well, I had my leaving due a couple of days ago. And then I don't start my my new role until, well, it's like two or three days from now. So I'm in between jobs. Yeah. So you're like in that sweet spot of like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just sort of, I guess as well, you know, I had, um, you know, I've been working three months um, notice period as well. So it's been a pretty, pretty long time to wait um, to move over. And I've just kind of felt, I mean, disconnected anyway with the world right now, 2021, um you know in 2020 there's a lot of change a lot of I don't even need to say the c word everyone yeah. knows <laughs> everyone knows um you know how much that's impacted you know so many people's lives and um but with Carwow it seems like such a you're, you're growing so much the channel's huge what would have encouraged you to switch and what would have because you know it seemed like you can get very comfortable I guess mm um because you're at the top of your game with the channel wise yeah. you're you've already got the the platform the pedestal yeah. what would make you because BOTB is still is still big it's still well recognized but yeah. what would make you say okay I'm gonna go from here to here what did you feel that you wanted to grow or expand on or yeah so exactly like you know not only was it hard to leave the success behind of what we've achieved and and but the people as well, the working relationships that I've created um, there. But yeah, I just felt like something I can grow myself, my name attached to it. Because although Matt and I have grown it together, it's very much, I don't feel in Matt's shadow, but a little bit, you know, just he's never ever put me in the shadows. Like whenever we 
we went we won a couple of awards um a couple of years ago aop awards as well um so yeah i mean i was so grateful that he was very inclusive of and rec and you know gave the recognition to me and to the team and also you know was very he didn't want to keep his knowledge to himself like he wanted to grow the skills like my skills um and the skills of the team as well to help us understand you know what makes the videos good yeah you know i think there's the element of uh, we mentioned before this conversation how sometimes you don't intend to be seen in someone's shadow or especially a male female duo but it's almost more currently recognized that oh we're here to see the man in charge you were saying that earlier yeah so was that part of like the inspiration for you to move around or like what does that did that affect you in any way um I don't know whether it was one of the motivating factors I guess to give a bit of background on what you were saying (laughs) like um you know in in my role um I have you know producer director I've had a couple of times, you know, people think that, you know, Matt's my partner and that's why, you know, I've got this job. Um, along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, some people just see me as the three, two, one girl mm-hmm. um, and don't know about the behind the scenes. Um, you know, that literally I'd organised all the people there and all the cars and <laughs> what everyone was doing and what shots we were doing. Um and uh, yeah, and 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 uh, more recently on the TV ad shoot that I was on and directing, and um, and the DOP said uh, I need to speak to the man in charge, <laughs> and uh, and then he turned and looked at me and was like, "You," and uh, I was like, oh, you know, just kind of shrugged it off, like, "Don't worry about it, mate." Like, yeah, they don't mean it in a bad way, but yeah, it's just I can tell, and and. And um, and that's the thing. I think it's about, you know, how you react to something like that. Because, you know, some I could have taken it really badly, you know, and thought, well, you know, you should respect the position I'm in and stuff. But I respect the fact that, you know, we women in this industry are still the minority. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the majority is male. And, you know, looking at the statistics of um you know gender of who enjoys the type of content we produce it's more male it's like at least 90 percent if it's cars it's like at least at least at least (laughs) at least (laughs) at least 90 percent um males so you know yeah and uh, i don't know whether that's um because of interest or because women don't feel like they can um but you can yeah you can like male female whatever it's just an interest isn't it Um, yeah I suppose I found that a lot I we got headhunted a few times uh, myself and Shaz and um just because sometimes I wasn't there physically holding a camera they couldn't understand why I was there and they hadn't understood that night I was listening to the track, tr- organising the sets, or- organising the locations, how it was going to be shot, um, the perspectives, the details. And there's a lot that goes into that and it's exhausting in itself. Mm. But because um, it did get to me personally about one, t- one or two situations got to me. But I feel that it's as I'm getting more into the industry, it's so much more recognised that women are in it now and... I think the one or two, the other time was I I walked up with Shaz into uh, an event and the guy goes, oh, so you brought your own model? I said, no, hi, I'm his business partner. I was like, oh, this is cringy. (laughs) Like, um, but, you know, you learn a lot. And I think when when that there is that minority, you do feel that you want to push yourself more and it does inspire you more to to know what you're doing, to Mm -hmm. to learn more. But also you become more of a community player because when I see other women like yourself in this industry, it's we gel together. We want to chat about the stories, about the work and expanding the work. So that must have been like a driving factor for you to just go and expand your name. Like you're saying, you're going to build on your name. Yeah. And um, that through BOTB as well. Yeah. So 
How does it feel then to be going solo? Like you've grown with Matt. I know for me, if I was to separate with Shaz from in a business perspective, I'd be like a bit quivery because I'd be like, oh my God, I'm doing this on my own. But I guess you still have the connection and the friendship. So what is that going to be like when you go to BOTB? To be honest, like, I don't know. And that's (laughs) what I love about it. You know, I don't know how I'm going to feel in the next hour. Mm-hmm. I'm a very spontaneous type of person um, and I'm very much like a yes person as well like you know back when I was working with Matt and he'd be like do you fancy going to China next month and Let's I'd be go. like yeah go on then can we get visas sorted in time yeah 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 it'll be fine And honestly, that story of like us going to China and me going, yeah, 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 let's go to China like in a couple of weeks. And then um, honestly, I picked up my visa, my passport the day I flew to China. It was just like, oh, my God, that was tight. (laughs) Like We did the exact same thing with Bali uh, 2020. Yeah. We found out the week of going to Bali. We hadn't booked it. It It's like the 1st of January and we left on like the 8th. Or, yeah, the 8th or 9th of Jan- The 8th, because my birthday was on the 9th. So it was just like, oh, we're going to Bali. And I was like, we haven't booked it yet. Third, I think we finalised the booking. We're like, oh, it's actually happening. But uh, that in that spon- spontaneity is really fun to have, especially in the YouTube world, the yeah. creative industries, the automotive world. But what did you do out in China? Um, we went to go and film the Shanghai Motor Show. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was. I went out a couple of days beforehand um, as well, just to have like a little bit of a holiday in Shanghai, like, you know, before Matt got there to do the filming. And I ended up catching a terrible flu um, on my first night there. And I hadn't slept, you know, for ages. Um, I'd eaten chicken feet unwillingly. Um, oh, God, what do you mean unwillingly? <laughs> not unwillingly but like it was a bit of a mistake like (laughs) (laughs) um I I hadn't slept for like 36 hours I really struggled to sleep on the plane and stuff and um I got there I was so tired chicken feet (laughs) and um I got I got to the restaurant in the kind of hotel that I was staying in and I was on my own and I had like my camera gear and everything and I was just like oh my god I'm absolutely ruined and then I'd not been to China before and I didn't realise, but they they didn't um, speak English as much as I was expecting them to. And the waitress um, didn't speak English at all. She used a, a translator and um, we were trying to communicate and I was trying to ask her because there was like no pictures on there and uh, it was all in Chinese. And, um, you know, I was trying to say like, sweet and sour chicken (laughs) or something that I was like used to you know just like noodles anything you know something plain that's not plain food like literally plain you know flying plain food because that's terrible and made (laughs) made me feel ill so I'm like I'm starving I'm tired I don't know where I am or what day it is um and yeah we were just like trying to communicate and I think I typed something to her and went like that and then just uh then she sort of went <laughs> like that and I was like oh, it's not funny I'm asking <laughs> you like and she gave it back to me and it played it in English your father is a DJ and I was like <laughs> so, um this is not this is not going well at all um so I just kind of was like pointing at stuff and going thumb up like yeah that's good yeah yeah you would wreck it cool yeah all right yeah I'll order that so I ordered about four dishes hoping that one of them would be okay and that when when one of them turned up and it was chicken feet and I was like oh and she was going pointing at it like very nice so you know like this is this is good you're gonna this is a, a delicacy you know in China sort of thing and um and uh yeah so I sort of picked it up she while she it. was watching like go go for the toe and uh oh god uh, yeah i know i think i'm pretty sure shaz sitting in here is a vegan so he's hating <laughs> hating this story and um yeah and i i tried it and um it's very crunchy <laughs> the sauce oh was the sauce was quite nice that it was in but i think that's the fun thing about oh so when we were in bali which speaking of shaz we went up to the front desk and i was like he's a vegan and they're like oh vegan he doesn't eat onions 
I was like, no, 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 meat. And then the guy in the cab goes, yeah, there's some vegans that don't even eat meat. I was like, yeah, that that's him. He was like, oh, but you eat onions. <laughs> I was like, I'm so Vegetables confused. is a tick. <laughs> like, yes to vegetables. Because um, vegan means something completely different in Bali. Oh, and you really? just think, so even if the word translate, the meanings are just so different. But yeah, no, it, it's, I, th- I think that's the confusion with, um, if I was to go to China, because you can kind of guess words in, in Europe and in other languages, because you yeah. can kind of see them, um, you you just don't know. And I'm, I'd be like so lost. I don't know how we'd go to China, would we? <laughs> just stuck. I do, I do feel a bit like a rubbish person though, like being English and then you know I, if I go to to countries I do normally try and learn a few words but trying to ask for certain things on a menu was just like completely out of I mean it's not like saying hello yeah um you know I was sort of like hello you know I was saying ni hao um but yeah this is just sort of another yeah. world honestly and having like barely any sleep and being in that country and it being daytime and I'd left at night or whatever and just being like so spaced out and then just sort of like chicken feet I was like what is going on kind but, of just go um, for it don't you, you just yeah make do. I ended up going out that first night I got there as well after having a bit of a, a sleep after the chicken feet like in the day I was awake and I was like... Well, it oh, cured you then, didn't it? No, I wasn't feeling great. I was like, oh, a bit of a headache and stuff. But I'm going to go out anyway. And then I bumped into the Red Bull racing team while I was <laughs> out. Like, ended up in the top floor of this bar somewhere. I don't know how I get this kind of stories, but I told you I'm a yes person. And, you know, most of the time it's like... Yeah, 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 I'll do that. Yeah, I'll see you there and in a second. And then figure it out later, like, <laughs> Mum, can you look after the dog and that? Yeah, yeah, cool, great. You know, and then just shoot off. But um, what is your craziest then? Craziest or mo- most exciting highlight of working at Carwell? Oh, being the best YouTube channel for car content in the world that I don't, I don't even think that's understood. And I think as well... Um, so I think our biggest month, 75 million views in a month. Um, and we were always chasing Top Gear as well. And to, to yeah. s- surpass them, um, that was that was a great success. And we were always striving for more and more and more. And I've certainly sort of like ended on a bang there. I mean, we hit number one on trending on YouTube. Yeah, wow. Um, with our Formula One versus Bugatti Chiron for which I arranged the the Chiron to be there. So I was still kind of a part of it yeah. right up until the end. Um, so, yeah, to, to, to get to that point. But I feel like there's always a sort of end, a natural end yeah. for anything. And, yeah, it felt like I had achieved such great things there, but I wasn't sure what more I could do um there so it it was just time to make the change and it might be wrong it I might not it might not work out you can be wrong I think you'll you'll go and learn what you need to learn yeah exactly and you know I'm looking forward to it the ups and downs the mistakes and taking risks and having new challenges um I think that's what excites me so what would you say is the most challenging thing that you've experienced or um, something that's tested you within working at, at your within your career at Carwell. I'm stumbling over my words now. Thinking yeah. of chicken feet still. <laughs> <laughs> um, my most challenging thing, I would say, being a manager, because with moving into the producer role was. Um, being a manager of the team as well and at the time it was just me and Jack who's actually my successor by the way he's now head of video at Carwell um and I'm really excited for him actually I'm really happy and that's another reason why I'm 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 happy I'm moving on um because it now means that there's that creative space yeah. it's, it's that space for now that everyone that was you know sort of below below me before now has the chance to move into it's almost like paying it forward isn't it you create that exactly space. yeah because yeah. otherwise you know it would just kind of 
the cycle would keep going and they yeah. would leave and someone else would come in. But yeah, no, I'm really happy for him um, having that role. Um, so I would say, yeah, the most challenging thing was to be to be a manager and I didn't really want to. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, it was only me and Jack. So I was only managing Jack. Um, yeah, when I first started, he and I, Jack and I, were on, were on the same sort of uh, playing field basically doing the same role and we were sort of developing a bit of a friendship and then when you move into a manager role and you have to manage somebody it's like okay then you can't be friends anymore you know it's it's it creates a different dynamic doesn't it it does yeah and obviously the hiring and firing and along the way um you know it's as much as there's a lot of times I didn't like, there's a lot of experience and good times as well. You know, um, hiring. So my, my team at the moment, again, it's really hard to leave them behind and move forward uh, to a new role, uh, to a new company. Um, particularly, you know, Sam and, and Lewis. Uh, you know, I've I've been working with them for... A really long time now Lewis especially when you know he first joined and I trained him uh, quite a bit with editing we had some very late nights in the office um, and I think again that's where the exhaustion came from and putting the pressure on myself because you know I wanted Carwell to be successful I was very passionate about the brand and wanted to grow not only you know the the company as well but for myself I wanted to grow my skills and always you know and be a part of something that was big well you have haven't you got hit top rankings there haven't you yeah I mean and you know Matt as well he had the same kind of drive so me and him together was just sort of like dream team made in heaven yeah yeah so Um, what's inspired you then to get a bike again now because that's quite a back to the bikes yeah it's quite because I was just thinking in my head you've done car wow and you've been surrounded by cars what has influenced because you've just got a bike recently haven't you yeah we haven't we haven't even covered the bikes yet right (laughs) right of your life you know and uh you know we've, we've spoken about the cars more um but you know what the name of ride of your life I actually I thought of it in the shower because it applies to everything. Great ideas happen in the yeah, show. Yeah, I just feel it applies to everything. Like when you're going, you're going for a yeah, wacky yeah. day. You're in the ride of your life. A good day, bad day, sideways day. Meeting Red Bull in yeah. the bar in the <laughs> top of China of after eating chicken feet and not sleeping for two days. Yeah, yeah. is like definitely just, a ride, yeah. isn't uh, yeah. it? Yeah, every every day I think all these experiences are rides. So yeah. it's not even designated for bikers, but I feel that because I went into the bike world, it yeah. resonated with me more. But you happen to be going in, well, now going more into the bike world. So what yeah. triggered that? Yeah, so about, um, I think it was about three years ago, I decided I was going to get my big bike license. And my mum was like very against it. She really didn't like <laughs> As it. As they are. <laughs> yeah, she really didn't want me to get back into bikes again. She was like, what are you doing it for? And I was like, I just want to have the skill. Honestly, I'm not even going to buy a bike. Three years later. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I mean, I had a bike before this one as well. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I did my I did my tests and I would really like to actually talk about just very quickly a story there. Um, you know, so I, I went on my own and I was with a group of guys and, um, yeah, they were like, has anybody really ridden before? And I was like, oh, I did ride a ped once, <laughs> you know. <laughs> everyone else was like, nah, not really, nah. And then they sort of took us um, into the little training pad area and uh, on a 125 because I said I wanted to do gear bike and stuff because I wanted to progress, um, do my uh, big bike license. So I had to redo my CBT, obviously. And uh, yeah, so there I was and I couldn't even pull away (laughs) because the clutch was so far away and really heavy and I like my hands aren't massive you know and I was struggling to sort of like keep keep the revs up and get that the bite point without dropping it you know dropping the clutch so um yeah I mean the guy that I had um you know the other the other boys sort of picked it up really quickly 
And the guy was like, oh, I'm sorry, but, you know, we're going to go out on the road without you and oh. just leave me behind. And like, mm, you haven't really got it, have you? And uh, I was like, no, okay, that's fair. So as I sort of like went back to the office, like, oh, well, I'll just wait then. Um, sort of like helmet in hand, like, oh, I've failed. Um, this ex-police uh, guy um came out another instructor and uh he said um i'm gonna be doing some mod training mod, mod one training in a minute with um with this guy uh over here like just a one-to-one yeah do you want to um you know do you want do you want some help and and you know get you back on basically uh see if we can get you you know yeah. riding around and um so he got me riding the 125 absolutely fine, you know, within like five minutes. I was just kind of cruising around, doing loops, and then came back. And on one of the times I came back around, he rolled out a um, Kawasaki 550. Can't remember which model it was. Um, but uh, it w- it looked like a big bike. I was like, wow. Uh, you know, he was like, yeah, you, you get on this. And I was like me how I was, I was like are you, are you sure are you sure and he was like yeah yeah like you're gonna be better on it because the clutch is uh much nicer it's smoother, much tighter yeah. to you it's smoother and the bike you can pull away literally on the idle so like you don't need to rev the tits off yeah. of it to get it to go um so yeah I got on it and as soon as I got on it I was just like wow this is so comfortable and all the guys are still out on their little yeah. twist and goes and yeah. stuff on the road <laughs> and uh you know, I sort of rode that around a couple of times and then he saw I got confident on that and I was good with it. And then he rolled out a 650 uh, CVF, I think it was, the Honda CVF. And um, I was like, oh, again, like, are you sure? Like, yeah. oh, okay, you know, so I got on it and then got confident on that. And then he was like, come and join us doing the Mod 1 training. So then I started doing the, you know, like the U-turns and the really tight turns on it. All the guys came back from their little ride out on the peds and saw me doing Mod 1 stuff on it. And uh, was just sort of like, you know, that that cartoon yeah. face where they like the mouth drop. drop. <laughs> and uh, was just like, yeah, you're right, guys. Yeah, I just, you know. It's a confidence game, isn't it? I think the more you're confident, it's a lot smoother. Yeah. The CCs matter less. Yeah. I think, um, so I'm really, really glad that that he was there, the instructor, um, to to give me that training. And obviously, I didn't pass my CBT that day. Um, I did two days of CBT, um, but I did my CBT on a big bike rather than doing it on a twist and go or a 125 because it wouldn't make any sense to you know do that when I wanted to progress um so I passed my test after the two days of um training the the CBT and um then I did my mod one passed first time passed uh mod two as well first time um which was great I was really really scared uh especially like the ones where I think it's the mod one where you have to like go really fast and then do the emergency stops and stuff in you know when you do them in the pad um in the training bit and um yeah I was I was quite nervous but yeah managed to to do it um but uh yes I did that and then I I had an uh another MT so I had a Yamaha MT-07 so currently got the MT-09 um but yeah, I had the, the MT-07 before. So I had that for about a year, but I barely rode it because I didn't know anybody. I was living yeah. on my own in Milton Keynes and yeah, it was lockdowns as well. So it's just like, well, how can yeah. I really meet yeah. anybody? And I'd have to wear a mask if I like pulled over somewhere to, you know, at bike shops and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I didn't really have the confidence to kind of meet people. And um, when I when I became sort of single again, and I I'd mo- I was moving house, so I sold I sold my MT07, and then when I was looking sort of for my next relationship, then I was like, he has to be a biker, <laughs> has to <laughs> and be, voila, <laughs> and there we go, and like, yeah. So is it just something that you're going to? Do you have a, like 
anything you want to do career-wise with it or is it just just something you want to experience for yourself so like career-wise probably not it's just kind of a just for fun thing for me um but I absolutely love learning new skills so I want to like wheelies and you know do all that kind Aha, of stuff way ahead of you there <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a fluke but managed to wheelie my bike <laughs> yeah so I've had I've had the wheel up on my 09 but I had the traction fully on mm-hmm. but I, I'm so glad for traction control like on new bikes because you know I I'm kind of ballsy in a really weird way like I'm really crap you know I don't I don't care but like I I think like some people might see me on the road and just look at me and be like oh my god she's gonna die (laughs) like some of the stuff I've done like honestly like just by accident you know and like drop the clutch out too quick and put loads of like power on the back wheel and it's all sketching around and I'm just like (laughs) ah it's all right you know it's still upright so we're all good but yeah, I was at the airfield the other day on a car wow shoot and um, yeah, I didn't know, but I I opened it up like full throttle in like first and second gear. Oh God. <laughs> Honestly, that like, I'm so glad. So, so glad for traction control. Thank you, Yamaha. Thank you for saving my life. Um, but yeah, the wheel came up and then like it cut the power and like put the wheel back down Thank again. Thank God. And then... I literally didn't learn, did the same thing again. I think it's, I think I was in second gear and um, popped the wheel up again. And I was like, mm, yeah, maybe I need to go up a gear. Uh, yeah, cool. But yeah, oh my God, that bike, it's... Um, you sound so sketch. <laughs> I'm just I am like, very sketch. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't do that on the road. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have had some wobbly moments, but I'm not... But I think um, that's the best way to learn. Like, I'm not ashamed honestly. of them. Like, I really don't mind. Like, and especially when I've got my boyfriend in my ears, like, you ride that clutch. <laughs> and I'm just sort of like, <laughs> like, as I'm like, sort of like pulling away, because I was like on a hill and I, I didn't want to stall it. So I sort of like really let the clutch out slowly, like, you know, but I had the revs really high and it was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I deserve that. Um, but yeah, we just have an absolute laugh. So before we wrap up, because yeah. I feel like I could go on because I feel we've got into such a good flow now as well. I wouldn't we've only to, just oh, started. I know. I can't believe we've been <laughs> yapping on for like an hour. Yeah, we're going to have to cut that down. There's a lot of rubbish in yeah. there. Shaz <laughs> has got his work cut out for him. But yeah. So I have a piece of advice. A lot of people on here want to create lives with um, their passions like cars and bikes. You being in and amongst a massive YouTube channel, what would you say is a good piece of advice that you would give to people that are starting their channels or in and amongst their channels um, or just musing about actually creating a channel? What would you say is a good advice? Don't give up. That's it. Like, just keep going and try new things um, as well. Don't be afraid of failure. It's not failure. Like, you need to go through a lot of mistakes Mm -hmm. before you understand what success looks like but I would say just like yeah just keep making sure that I mean if it's if it's um YouTube especially just make sure that your audience are engaging with it and enjoying it and if they're not change your strategy up do something different in the automotive world is there anything in particular that you would suggest tactics wise strategy wise engagement wise um i guess like you've got to you've got to do a lot of jobs before you um and i i actually had a lot of jobs that i would do on the side as well so mm-hmm. like i would go and film in my own time like little bits projects that i wanted to do um just to sort of like keep up that creativity if I wasn't doing it where I was but I would say yeah just just keep keep learning research um do some courses if you think you need to you know mm-hmm. like YouTube strategy courses audience analytics um 
you know, camera courses if you need to do that, you know, study. Um, but yeah, if you've got a passion, just, yeah, make sure you follow it. And, you know, you're going to have people along the way tell you that you can't do it, um, for one reason or another. And, um, yeah, just stay strong, keep going, uh, create a good, you know, support network. I'm sure Sally will say the same that, you know, if there's anyone out there and looking to get into the industry that you're in or I'm in and what we do and want any advice, like just chat to us, message us on Instagram. Yeah, it would be good to hear to announce what, um, to kind of say what your Instagram is or which way, because I know you have two. Yeah. Uh, which one would you prefer people to contact you yeah. on? Yeah. So I only just started my bike one mm-hmm. um, because I started posting bike stuff on the car one and it was like, mm, I don't think the car people really like the bike stuff. So, um, yeah, so if it's about cars, um, then it's that car video girl. And then if it's about bikes, then it's that bike video girl. So, hopefully not I'll put them in description as well and cool. have that there but yeah anytime like honestly any questions I always respond to people you know just let me know what you're up to There's and you're quite funny because I'm always tagging something funny from you and I, when I check my phone I'm like oh look that's that's so true but it's so funny but yeah I find you really relatable and thank you because know, you. you've had such a a vast career already in automotive world it's if people are looking to do that then they should absolutely reach out to you um to grow and yeah just build a network that way yeah i've had some great conversations already um one that really springs to mind is uh big boy trev he's one of my favorites he's a guy in kenya who's doing a youtube channel and he, he came to me for advice once and we've had some chats you know like um gave him some advice on you know, his videos and his style and stuff. He's such a great guy. Um, I ask you for advice on these as well. I message you. I'm like, what do you think? What could I do better? What could I do here? And you're like, well, this, this and this. And Yeah. But yeah, no. But like, I also think, you know, there's there's only a so, ma- so much critique that I think you should give a person. I don't think you should be too negative on, on some things because they're only going to... It's a journey. ...understand it and grow themselves yeah. anyway. So yeah, there might be a few technical things or whatever, but the next time they're all smoothed out and they're all done and you did it yourself. You didn't even need somebody breathing over your shoulder saying, you know, do it like this, do it like that. You know, you need that space to do yeah. do some stuff on your own as well and figure those things out. So... Yeah, definitely, though, if any advice at all, anyone, I love speaking to people that are passionate about, you know, cars or filming, uh, especially, um, just in in general, really, uh, meeting other passionate people, it's, it's really nice, so I like that, you know, Instagram kind of gives that platform to do that, and that kind of bit more personal, less formal, personal touch, personal right? way, yeah. It's been amazing having you on, we've had a really nice day, and, um, you know, I'm going to probably catch up with you again when you're at BOTB, see how that settles in and yeah. maybe have you again on if um, people have other things to ask because it'll be a different different growth in your industry and in yourself as well. But yeah, sure. thank you so much for coming on and I can't wait till this gets released. And if you enjoyed today, please like, share, subscribe and contact Sam on Instagram. Have a look at Carwell's channel and BOTB. Um, yeah, look for, out, look out. Yeah. Here we come. <laughs> for see see if Sam is uh, the magic ingredient in that um, for growing that as well. So, yeah, thank you guys so much. And thanks for joining us on the fifth or sixth. I forgot sixth, now. I think the sixth said. episode of Ride of Your Life. Bye. Bye.